Brand. Very happy to be out here again tonight to minister in the name of our beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hearing that old song, Only Believe, All Things Are Possible, I just think how many times that I've been called to the pulpit for that by different languages around the world, all different types of uh, churches and peoples the world wide around. Now, before we start into the service tonight, knowing that we have just a limited time, let us bow our heads and talk to the King of Kings just for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we come to Thee tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus, first placing that name, for we've been promised that if we would ask anything in His name, we would receive it. We have no righteousness of our own. We come unworthy, pleading for mercy, not for judgment, mercy. And we ask that you'll be merciful to us tonight. Pardon us of our sins and trespasses, not knowing but what this may be the last night that we shall be upon the earth. Tomorrow we may be over at your house. We pray, God, if there's any among us who isn't ready at this time, any sin among us, take it away just now, that we'll have freedom in the hour of our death and parting from this life. Remember, Father, those tonight who are sick and afflicted. May the Holy Spirit in great mercy come tonight and heal all the sick and the afflicted. Grant us, Lord. Forgive us, we ask again. Get into the Word, we pray, and deliver it to the people's hearts, and build them for faith. For this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, tomorrow, I suppose, I thought maybe tonight, I haven't seen him as yet, Brother Moore is supposed to be here to speak for us. and. He, uh, I'm kind of uh, uh, going into something I seldom do, is to try to speak and then uh, pray for the sick. And the understanding of this, while we're just a small group of us on this Monday night, I might say this, that it's a, it's a different type of a, a ministry, especially in the type which the dear Heavenly Father has given me to minister to the people. It's uh, a different type of anointing, the same Spirit, just like there's different gifts, but the same Spirit. And one Spirit, when you're preaching, you just feel like you're just building yourself up. And the other type, one vision will do more to you than preaching six hours on the pulpit as hard as you could preach. It takes something away from you. And I am trusting to God that Brother Moore will hurry right along, for I certainly need him. Now, maybe tomorrow night, and Brother Argan Bright, one of the, I believe the chairman of the Christian Businessman, Full Gospel Internationally, is to be here tomorrow night and stay with us a few nights, which immediately after the service here, we fly to Zurich, Sweden, to begin there, just one day after we leave this service. Pretty heavy schedule on for quite a while, up into Canada and around. Now, I understand that Brother Tom's, I haven't got to speak to him, but his wife is coming tomorrow, I believe. Is that right, Brother Tom? 
all the way from South Africa to visit him here. While he's here, I've got something to speak about Brother Tom's a little later, as soon as Brother Jack comes so he can take it, and about his uh, business here in America and what he does in South Africa for the people. Brother Tom's was in most of the African meeting as we were over there and seeing the Lord in his great mighty powers. I understood tonight when they come and got me that that he's holding the afternoon instruction service. Brother Toms is a very well-instructed man in uh, the scriptures on divine healing. He sat with my old friend, Brother Bosworth and Tommy Osborne, and many of those great teachers of the day. And I say this complimentary to Brother Bosworth. I don't know of a person living on earth today knows any more of the scriptures of divine healing than F.F. F. Bosworth. How many ever know of F.F. Bosworth? Let's see your hands. Why, sure, he's no stranger anywhere, hardly in the world. He'll probably be up this week. I had an invitation to come up to Boston for a great auditorium that would seat, I believe, 12,000 people for $100 a week just for three weeks. Would you imagine that? Take up a couple of offerings and that would settle it. But I couldn't take it because it's already scheduled up for quite a long time ahead. Brother Schumann from South Africa, I think the President of the Ministerial Association is leaving Sweden immediately after we leave there and we're to join together, fix services, go back into Africa and up into Tanzania and so forth, around all the different parts of the world. Now, tonight we want to speak just a little while on the Word, for faith cometh by hearing, and hearing of the Word. Brother Tom, I just heard him a few moments ago. Read a scripture out of the Bible, which I certainly do appreciate. Now, I want to read just a little to go with that, found in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I like the book of Ephesians, don't you? I just think, I know the ministers will appreciate that. Um, the Ephesians, if it wasn't for the Ephesian book, I don't hardly know uh, how I could just approach it. You see, there's two schools of thought. One of them is Calvinistic. The other is Armenian. Well, of course, you know I belong to the Calvinistic school, so then of uh, being a Baptist. So then, what it did, both of them run out on limbs. One went to seed this way, and the other went to seed that way. But I think the book of Ephesians brings them both right back and puts them in the stump where they belong. So I really like the book of Ephesians. It kind of keeps us straightened out, brethren, in our theology, doesn't it? The book of Ephesians. And I like it real well. Now, tonight, I wish to read from the fifth chapter, verse or two, and the twenty-fifth and twenty-sixth verses. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. The washing of the water by the word. The subject is the waters of separation. Going back into the Old Testament, or a brother just read the scripture lesson tonight to teach a little bit from the Word, the Lord willing. Now, it's a marvelous, the Old Testament, many people just discard that old book when it's really the, it's the shadow of the new. The only way that I can feel like I get halfway lined up is to look back in the Old Testament and see the shadows then I know what the New Testament ought to be like. If the Old Testament was a shadow, 
If you see the sun uh, setting to your back and you're going towards your shadow, you can very well tell what you are from the looks of your shadow. And all the Old Testament was a shadow of the new. That way, in teaching it from the Old Testament views, you kind of have a general conception of what the New Testament will be. Now, in this great journey that the children of Israel was in at the time of the setting of this passage that we have under consideration now, was when Moses had went down into Egypt and had brought the children of Israel out, and God, in his mercy, was making preparations of how that he could make a way for his people, after they had sinned, to be reconciled again back to him. Wonderful, beautiful picture of the old type. Now, I want you to see it. As Moses went out to deliver the children of Israel, how God worked miracles, the people had got into a time just about like they are now. By the way, the journey from Egypt to Palestine was a type of the church in its journey today. They, they, as they were led naturally, we are led spiritually. I know many teachers of the schools uh, say that the Promised Land was represented heaven, but I think it represents the millennium because they had wars and troubles still in the, in the Promised Land. They come up, and to my opinion, the church tonight is at the stage of the old church age at Kadesh Barnea, where they're wondering about after refusing to walk in the light. That's why I think the miracle tonight that our lovely land here is in the confusion and we can't have a revival seem like. While there's been enough gospel preached around America and God's worked enough signs and wonders to convert a thousand nations this time, great man has crossed the country, uh, Billy Grimm and uh, Oral Roberts and many of the great men in the world today out preaching the gospel of deliverance and so forth, and great crowds and throngs come out, they listen, go back, sit down, go on their same routine. You only knew, friend, that's spiritual. You have to realize that every person has a spirit in them. And if the person could only see what kind of a spirit dominated your life, you that act indifferent towards Christ, you'd be ashamed of yourself. No matter how you're dressed and how well, how popular you are with the people, yet in your heart, if God could only turn the looking glass to your heart. Many times in dealing with spiritual things, you see them when they move out. Someone was just asking me here not long ago. I was in Calgary, Canada, and a boy come in. They had him in a straitjacket. They come in the back of the room, and he was cursing and carrying on and and I never heard such in my life. And the father was trying to hold him. And when he got on the inside, he looked over to me and said, William Branham, you ain't got nothing to do with me. Well, the father looked up and said he don't even know his own name. How do he know your name? And I was standing off a great distance from him. Oh, how he was cursing me, carrying on. And he said, you ain't got nothing to do with me. And I asked the audience that they'd just be reverent. 
The ushers come to take him out. Just then, I seen the Holy Spirit move out, the angel of the Lord. I said, now bring him here just a minute. When he went to bring him, he started kicking and frothing and biting. He's in a, a straitjacket, and they brought him up close to, and then when the vision come and told just what it was, a sin that had been committed by his father that caused the child to be in that condition, the father fell down and repented, and when that evil spirit went from that boy, thousands times thousands of people in the stampede grounds there that night looked in like a great big spider in a black shadow floating around. Oh my, it was really quite. And it went around, out of the place, out through the building, and went away. Many times you see them in different forms. Here, a reason I've seen one coming from a woman. That looked like a bat with great big hairs hanging under its legs and so forth, and its wings come right out, right straight up. There are evil spirits. And many times that someone looking ever so beautiful on the outside could only look on the inside and see what that is. We're dominated by spirit. Now, we see that the children of Israel, after God promising Abraham that his seed would sojourn four hundred years, and he would bring him out under a hand of deliverance. There was a man born by the name of Moses, a very peculiar child. Of course, I believe that gifts and callings are without repentance. You can't make yourself something that you're not. You're, you're not, you're not a, uh, different a little bit with you, some of you latter rain brethren on that, of laying on of hands and giving gifts, uh, different with you scripturally. I believe that you're born from God. God has said in the church certain things. God did it. And no matter how much you want to be something else, I couldn't make myself have brown eyes if I wanted them. They're blue. Who taking thought can add one cubic to his statue? We must do what we can with what we have to do with. What God has ordained us to do, if you'll stay right in your calling and abide there, God will use you. If you try to step over and do something else, you'll find yourself wrecked up somewhere. It's always that way. And that's the human race, though, you find it doing that. When Moses went out, odd child, born, peculiar, God was with him. And when he was the age of 40, he thought, surely the children of Israel would understand that he was to deliver them, but they did not. So they had to stay in bondage 40 years longer. But when he came out and began to perform miracles down in Egypt, God was with him. Then when he took the children of God out, then it said a mixed multitude went with them. See, the supernatural had been done, and when the supernatural is done, it will really call all classes and all types together. Everybody wants to look past the curtain, no matter where you are, who you are. Here some time ago I was sitting in California, a very well-known man and amongst the full gospel people, has a great church there. And the man come out, he dresses very nice, and there was a, a Presbyterian minister sitting by my side. I No one knew me. I just slipped in the side of the coat down like this. The man is a very personal dear friend of mine. And the man was talking. Of course, he's got a predominating way. And so this man said to me, sitting there, said, Do you think that looks like a servant of Christ? And I said, Well, I'm not his judge. I said, to me, looks all right to me. And he said, well, listen, he said, all this fanaticism about divine healing. He said, you know what? said, there come a bunch of people through here not long ago, 
said one time the Presbyterian church had the whole West Coast sewed up. He said we had churches, big churches everywhere, great congregations, the leading church on the West Coast. He said then this Christian science comes along and said then when they come along they started uh, like they were going to a mental condition, to mind over matter, and said, you know, it tore the Presbyterian church up. He said, now here comes along this year and says, then it starts in. I said, look, fella, I don't know who you are. He said, well, I'm a Presbyterian minister. Well, I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. So I said, let me tell you something. If you Presbyterian people would have stayed in the will of God and taught the Word of God, they never had any excuse to have any fanaticism come. I said, the reason that they raised up these things is because you let down the bars, because you failed to give hungry children the bread of life. The hour is here. And if they can't eat from the true word, they'll eat from a garbage can or anything else they can eat from because they're hungry. What it is tonight, the children of God need to be fed with the true word of God of thus saith the Lord. Divine healing drives. The souls are hungering for it. If it isn't coming one way, the devil will disguise it and bring it another way. So they're hungry for it. And they know that it's true. As men step up with God, they find that. Well, when you find the supernatural, every man is trying to look up past the curtain. No matter who he is, he wants to see where he come from, where he's going, all about it. There's only one book can tell you that. This is it. It tells you who you are, where you come from, and where you're going. It's the only book there is, and that's the Bible. That'll tell you who you are, where you come from, and where you are going. Now, I want you to notice, they went up a mixed multitude, and that caused trouble among them as they got up there. But God, in his sovereign mercy, not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance, always make a preparation of a way of escape for those who desire to come by the way of escape. He did it in the Andalusian world. He did it in the days of calling out of Noah, or Moses, rather, calling out of Israel. He did it in the days of the Lord Jesus, and he's doing it yet today, just before the judgments are to strike the world. God is calling out of people, those who are willing to walk and take God's preparation, how to escape the wrath that's coming upon the earth. And I trust that none that's in divine presence tonight, or will be, will ever have to stay here and suffer through the great wrath of God that's soon to come on the earth. There's no way of all of escaping. Listen. If, listen to this, mark it down. If God doesn't do something and send judgment to these nations right away, he'll have to resurrect Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize to them. That's right. We're at the end of the road. He's just, and he can't let us get by with the things that they're getting by with now and be just. He'd have to apologize to those who he did destroy in the days gone by. So we're at the end of the road. It behooves you to check your spiritual conditions every hour of the day, and be ready, or you don't know what time it's coming. God has made a way. He's sending everything, the preaching of the Word, signs, wonders. He gives one the message of preaching, another the sign message, another everything, not willing that any should perish, setting his gifts in order in the church, 
and so forth, and still people continually wade right on through and just like they didn't even pay any attention to it. If they only realized that in their soul was a spirit of the devil that was dominating your life, then it can't be nothing else. One night before I leave, I want to speak on demonology, my personal acquaintance with it, that you'd understand what it, what it is. Now, notice when they got up there into the wilderness and got into troubles and so forth, our lovely Heavenly Father, not willing that any should perish, as I said, making all the types before the end time or before this time, he said to Moses and Aaron, Go take a red heifer without a spot whereon never come a yoke, and she must be killed before the high priest, and how this used to be caught up and then burned in the ashes, made water of separation. Let's go through that process just in a few moments. The first place being a heifer, it was a sacrificial animal that spoke of the Lord, the burden barrier, the, the work ox that goes forth and works. The next thing, it spoke that she must be a red, a solid red, not a spot or a blemish of nothing else but red. Now, red to us speaks of danger. Red's not a good color to us in the way of speaking worldly. Red sometimes means the, the danger sign. But red also in the Scripture speaks of redemption. Red has been God's sign of redemption, punishment. Did you notice? all the way down through the Scripture, from the days of Adam, all the way down through into this day, it's been one scarlet streak of red blood. I often wonder how people can shun the blood of the Lord Jesus the way they do after they see him his suffering. Here some time ago, a gangster was shot in Chicago there, and we're their fellow man's blood is spilled out onto the ground. They'd walk way around it to keep from touching the blood when they shot the criminal on the street. Then I thought, isn't that strange? They're very careful how they won't step in their fellow man's blood, but every day walk right through the blood of Jesus Christ as if it wasn't nothing. Counting it an unholy thing, just walking on, unconcerned. Preach the blood, they laugh right in your face at preaching of the blood. Notice how it ought to be appreciated. Over in Illinois, in a certain museum, here some time ago I was passing through, looking around. I like to look at different things, of sights and scenes and arts. I like to see God in everything that I look at. And I happened to notice an old colored man in there with just a little rim of hair around the back of his head. He had his hat over his chest like this, walking around, looking. And he looked over into a little glass cage like. And all at once he stepped back, jumped. And I noticed him with his eyes closed, and he was saying a little prayer or something there. I stood and looked at him for a few moments, amazed at the old archie. He raised up his head and said, Thank you, Lord. He looked back down again, the tears just run off his cheeks. I thought, wonder what the old fellow's looking at. I walked over there to where he was, and I said, 
Good evening, Uncle. He said, how do you do, sir? And I said, uh, I want to ask you a question. I said, I'm a minister. What made you jump back and say that prayer that you were praying? He said, just look down there. And I looked down there. I said, I don't see nothing but a dress. He said, you see that stain on there? I said, yes, sir. He said, there's a mark of a slave belt around me. He said, that's the blood of Abraham Lincoln. And the blood of that man laying there took a slave belt off of me. Said, it wouldn't make you a little excited, too? I raised my hand. I said, God, how I thank you. If a colored man could jump at the thoughts of Abraham Lincoln's blood from taking a slave belt from him, what ought a Christian to do to the blood of Jesus Christ who take him out of bondage and give him freedom? What it ought to be? Oh, my, when I think of it. Then God making a way, always a way of an escape. Then I see back there at the red heifer was red. And here's the scientific of red. You take red means sin to us. Red, though your sins be like crimson, red. But you take red and look through red to red, it makes white. Did you ever know that? Look through red at red, it turns white. That's what God did in Jesus Christ. He, the blood of Jesus was shed that God, looking through his blood at our red sins, turns white as snow. Red, though your sins be like scarlet, yet they shall be white like snow. Oh, when we think of it, that beautiful illustration how God, so that he could not, would not see the sin of the people, made a preparation. Here some time ago I was standing in a up here in Ohio, where I was having a meeting, I was having a wonderful meeting, the great arena. There's so many people, too. I couldn't stay in the city. I, I have to pray all day. If we're going to have these meetings, I've got to stay away from people, even the manager and all of them. So I stay away in prayer, and I've been away out praying. And the first thing you know, when, we, when I would eat, we'd come up to a little restaurant there, a little Dunkard restaurant. And the, Little ladies in there were such neat, nice-looking, clean-looking people, and they'd walk around very nice, ladylike acting. And after a while, this comes Sunday, and they closed up and went to church. They were all very religious, and they closed up and went to church. So I got hungry. I wasn't going to have a healing service that afternoon, so I was going to preach, and I thought, I better go get me a sandwich because I haven't eaten since a couple days before. I went over, the little restaurant was closed, so I just walked across the road to a common little drive-in place, ever what they call it. And as I walked in the door, there stood a policeman about my age, a man that's about 40 years old, with his arm around a woman playing the slot machine. And gambling is illegal in Ohio. There's a law. Although, what is this world coming to? Brethren, everybody's afraid of communism. Everybody's afraid that Russia's going to come over, Germany's going to come over. Don't be afraid of any nation whipping us. They're not going to whip us. We're whipping ourselves. Our own morals is what's polluting us. It isn't a robin that pecks on the apple and hurts it. It's a worm at the core that rots the apple. Our own morals among us is what's killing us. Rejecting of Christ. Living in a life the way we do, that's what's the killing us. 
There was a policeman to uphold the law, standing there, perhaps a married man with a bunch of children at home, playing a slot machine. I thought, oh, mercy. I looked back at the back of a young waitress standing back there, very vulgarly dressed, and some boys half drunk with their arms around her and doing things they ought not to do. I thought, oh, my, let me get out of here. And I happened to look to my right, there sat an old lady old enough to be my grandmother, probably sixty-five or better. She had on those foul clothes, little short clothes, and with the purple-looking Seth on her face and her toenails painted the same way. Poor old thing, her skin was wrinkled and hanging, hair real close and blue-looking color, her hair being gray and all frizzled up. And I thought, isn't that terrible? And sitting with two old men and them drunk, one of them at summertime with a big army overcoat on. And I said, oh my, I said, God, how can you stand it? I said, why don't you wipe it off the face of the earth? Then I was sitting there thinking that, and all of a sudden, something struck me and the Lord said for me to sit down. And I went over in a corner behind the door and started praying. I thought, Lord, looks like it should just simply tear the whole... Well, my little Rebecca and Sarah, my two little girls, have to be raised up here in the world under such as that. I thought, how can you stand it when it makes a sinner like me shiver to think of such a thing? Well, I got back there and I saw a vision that changed my picture altogether. I seen a world on a turning. And I noticed around it was a streak like red all around. And I wondered what it was, and as I drew close, I seen myself as a boy. And when I was sin, well, then I seen Jesus standing in front of, between me and God, and His blood act as a bumper. Every time I'd do anything wrong, it would hit Him. And He'd say, Father, forgive me, He don't know what He's doing. And I'd, I'd do something else, and then it was just like the bumper on the car to keep it. God can't stand sin. The day you sin, you're gone, that's all. But the blood of Jesus was protecting me, the wrath of God from me, and my sin would catch it, and he'd say, Father, forgive him. He don't know what he's doing. And I looked, and I said, Lord, is, is my sins treating you like that, and the blood running down his face? I looked, crawled up a little closer, and I seen a book there, my name is at the top, all kinds of sin wrote on it. I said, Will you forgive me? He touched his side and wrote pardon, throwed it over in the back behind him in the sea of forgiveness. I said, oh, how I appreciate you, Lord. He said, now, I was willing to forgive you of your sins, but you want to condemn her for hers. That made a different question to me then. When I come out of the vision, I walked over to her, the man had got up and went out. I said, how do you do? She looked around, hiccuping, smoking a cigarette, which I think is the lowest thing a woman could do. And so she was smoking the cigarette. She said, oh, hello. I said, can I speak to you just a moment? She said, I have company. I said, not in that way. I'd just like to speak with you a minute. She said, sit down. I said, I'm a gospel preacher, lady. She threw her cigarette down. And I said, I, my name is Brother Branham. She said, you're not the man down here. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm sorry I'm in this shape. And I told her just exactly the vision I had. I said, the blood of Jesus, sister, still atones for you. As long as you're mortal like this, you still have a chance to be saved. But I said, when you go beyond that blood, you're already judged. I said, won't you? She told me her story, and it was enough to grind the heart of a stone man. How that she once was raised in a Christian home, an old-fashioned Methodist parent, 
who went to church and did what was right. She married her husband. He started drinking. She had daughters, and they were even members of the church themselves. And how she had tucked the road is wrong. She said, I've sinned away my day of grace. I said, look, do you still have respect for the Lord Jesus? She said, I do, sir. I said, then he hasn't left yet. I said, no, he's still got mercy for you. He said, you think he'd receive me right like this? I said, yes, ma'am. I took her by the hand, knelt down there at that place. And, brother, we broke that place up into a prayer meeting when we led her to the Lord Jesus. Yes. That's it. We're looking to see the people and how the blood, that crimson blood, still around the world to protect whosoever will. You can get by now because God can't see you're still under the blood. But whenever you try to leave, you don't know tonight. You may have to take your journey away from this world. Then you go in the presence of God, and you're already judged. Because you're judged for the way you judged Him. Now the red, when God looks down through red, He doesn't see red. He sees white. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white like snow. And then I notice the red heifer, how He said that she must be uh, not never have a yoke upon him. If you notice how it represented Jesus, when he come, he never yoked himself up with any worldly order. He never taken Pharisee or Sadducee side. He stayed free from both. He declared God to both sides. And another way that she must be killed in the presence of the high priest. The priest must see the heifer killed. And so did Jesus when Caiaphas is even sentencing and so forth. There he was killed in the presence of the high priest, right up on Golgotha where you could look from the temple and see him dying in the presence of the high priest. What a picture, how it speaks of the Lord Jesus. And then when he must take his fingers and pick up the blood and make seven stripes across the door of the, right in the door of the congregation that no one could come in to the door except recognizing that something died to go before them. It was a public testimony of the Lord Jesus. Oh, friend, I want you to see that so bad. A public Testimony, seven stripes representing the seven church ages, which by Israel, the seven church ages, were in the last the lady of sin. And to every church age, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That was to be burnt. All the body was to be burnt and was to be made of waters of separation mixed with water and kept in a clean place outside the court. Notice, that represented the waters of separation, represented the Word of God now. Washes by the water, by the Word. The Word is the waters of separation. Christ was the sacrificial beast, and He died in order. You sick people, listen to this. Christ died in order that he might be able to fulfill the Word. He was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and died 
making the waters of separation. And this is the Word. This is Christ. Every word in here is God itself wrote in print. Receive it into your heart and watch what happens after you receive it. Just take any divine promise. Listen to this. And you can make this statement. It's on recordings, everything. But I'll say this and challenge anybody. The right mental attitude towards any divine promise of this word will bring it to pass. Regardless of what it is. If God said so, you take the right mental attitude towards that word and see what happens. God's obligated to his word. He swore by it. We're going to get into that in a few nights. How that the word come to us as the waters of separation. Now remember, it was to be kept. Now listen close. It was to be kept in a clean place. You get it? Not in a dirty foul place, playing cards, having bunco games, playing a little lottery in the basement, having social parties and dancing. The Word of God should be kept in a clean place, holy, consecrated, real church of the living God, kept in a clean place for it's the waters of separation. I know that kind of burns a little bit, brother. But it's good for you. <laughs> Kept in a clean place outside the courts for us to separate the sinner from his sin before he comes into fellowship. Notice, then when if man sinned, the first thing he'd done was to come to the waters of separation. A believer in his journey, on his road, and he'd done something wrong, like we in our journey. And this heifer that was to be burned for waters of separation had cedar, scarlet, and hyssop burnt with it. We picked that up. We picked that up in a few nights. Lord, will he see what it is? Cedar wood. Many people say Christ died on a dogwood cross. Wish we had time to go into it. <laughs> oh, and the hyssop. Where it always sprinkled the blood was a live root. They pulled up a sagebrush, pulled up root and all, and was put with it. All of it speaking of the offices of God. Cedar, scarlet, and hyssop, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the offices of the Godhead. How that the same God lived in the fatherhood, in the sonship, and in the Holy Spirit dispensation. All the same Father, same God. And how that each one of those woods represented the same thing, the same God. Notice it was also represented divine healing. When Moses, back in the commandments, when he gave orders for healing of leprosy, how the doves was to be killed, and over this scarlet hyssop also in the cedar wood, a separation from their sickness. The same as separation from their sin. God has always had a preparation for healing in all ages, all time. When Moses took the children of Israel and they began to chat or fuss with Moses, said Korah is just as good a man as Moses is, and there's more holy besides him, and all this, and they begin to go on the way they did. 
murmuring against God and against his servant, there come serpents in and bit them, and Moses interceded for them, and God told him to make a serpent out of brass. It was for a compound reason, to forgive them of their chiding and to heal them of their sicknesses, of the snake bites. Jesus come along later, and he said, Just as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. How can you, brother, teach the gospel without including divine healing? Can't be done. It's inseparable. He was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes. We were healed. Same Christ, same day, same blood. Sickness is a penalty of sin. All sickness come from sin, may not directly from your sin, but inherited. Before we had any sickness, we had no sin. When sickness came, when sin came, sickness is an attribute or result of sin. And you cannot deal with sin in any matter unless you deal with sickness. And you can't deal with sickness unless you deal with sin. They both run side by side. If a great animal had me here tonight, and his paws was in me just to cut me, but his mouth wasn't bothering me. But if he was, his paw was in me, there's no need of me trying to cut off his toe or cut off his paw or what he's sticking me with. Knock him in the head kills the whole thing. That's right. And when you hit sin in the head, you kill sickness with it. All got to be killed at the same time. You can't separate them. Amen. I'm not amen in myself, but amen means so be it. <laughs> I, I believe it. There might be many promises in the Bible that I haven't faith enough to perform. But that's still, it's the same anyhow. I believe it. Here not long ago, all the things that I was ever taught in astronomy and in the, in the, the solar systems in the school, I had to take it every bit back. Science will raise up and they'll declare one thing to be perfectly that, scientifically proved. A few years they scientifically proved that was wrong. Well, 150 years ago, one of the greatest scientists we had in France said if a man ever went the terrific speed of 30 miles an hour, proved that gravitation would take him right off the earth. Brother, they don't pay attention to that today. They're going 1,600 miles an hour and still trying to get faster. But the trouble of it with, with science, they're moving on and we preachers are sitting still. That's it. They move on up so they can split an atom. But when we name divine healing or something other, we'll see what Moody said about it, what Dr. So-and-so said. They were all right in their age. We we're moving on. Amen. Science can only climb so far and it falls back. we got the unsearchable promises of God. Untapped resources, yonder. But the thing of it is, they have to look back and see if their school of thought taught it. I don't care what the school said. The Bible said it, and that's God's science book. It never can fail. So heavens and earth pass. If God's Word said so, it's the truth. Amen. That's true. Notice how here some time ago, they told me I was preaching. There's a man come up and said, Hey, preacher, I want to tell you something. You keep saying man thinks in his heart. I said, The Bible said so. I said, Well, that man wrote the Bible. They were just ignorant, see? Said, they, there's no, said, there's no mental faculty in your heart to think with. Said, you think with your head, your, your, your brain, your mind's what thinks. So that's where you think from. There's no mental faculties in your heart. I said, I don't know where it's at, but God said it was in the heart, and I believe it. 
That's all I know. And about six weeks ago, I was in Chicago on a great big line on the front page where science has found that in the human heart, in the center of the human heart, is a little compartment where even a corpuscle or a blood cell never touches. The animal life hasn't got it, but the human has got it, and science says it's the occupation of the soul. Hallelujah. Then God's right after all. He's always right. Yes, sir. So that's what's the matter with people today. You come to the church, the water of separation. That's all right. Hear the word. That's very good. You get separated from your sins. But you go out with an intellectual faith. That's the reason you can't believe. That's the reason you go back out and sin the way you do. The reason you can't hold up from one revival to another. If you let that intellectual faith move down through your brains into your heart, then it becomes a reality with a new birth. Then it will stay there anchored forever. God sees you in by the Holy Spirit. And it settles it forever. Get away. Intellectual faith, all right. That's as far as the nominal Christian goes. He hears the Word. He believes it. He has the mental conception of it. That's fine. We believe that. But notice, when the man come to the waters of separation, which was Word, faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the Word. We believe that. God wants us to believe it. That's part of it. But that's as far as he ever gets. He never gets into the fellowship, yonder. He just comes to the water of separation. And when he comes to that part, he finds a mental conception. Yes, I believe it. Thinks it in his mind, raises up his hand, accepts it, and 20 days from there he's back in the same rut he was in the first place. Because it's never went any farther than his head. Right. Some fine, great minister from down here in the south took a plane and flew up and met me here some time ago. He said, Brother Branham, I was reading one of your sermons in a paper. He said, just one thing I want to settle with you. And I said, all right. He said, how can you do anything else but believe? He said, Abraham was the father of the promise. And when he, got, he believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, what more could Abraham do but believe? I said, that's correct, sir. That's all he could do. But God gave him the seal of circumcision as a confirmation of his faith. Now I said, Ephesians 4.30 says, Dream not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. If you raise up and confess Christ and say that you believe Him with intellectual faith and God's never given you the Holy Ghost yet, He's never confirmed your faith yet. Amen. That's the confirmation, is the Holy Spirit. You believe God confirms it with the Holy Ghost. Then you believe it with your head. God puts it in your heart by birth. Amen. That's kind of a little old-fashioned, but... Brother, it's kept me all these years, and I've stared death to faith. I'm ready to trust it on. And if it was good enough for me, it was good enough for Paul, it was good enough for Silas, it was good enough for the Hebrew children, it'll take you through too, if you'll just believe it. Alright, waters of separation. Come hear the Word. Just like usually people come, I know I pass through the city and see these big homes. I appreciate that. But there's none of you that lives in a three-room house. That's all you can live in. You just live in a three-room house. When God was here, He lived in a three-room house. That's all you could live in. The first is your kitchen. The next is your dining room or living room. And the next is your bedroom. You may have three or four bedrooms or a couple of dining rooms or something, but really, that's this extra room. You come first to the kitchen. The kitchen's where you eat. As you come and eat like the church is set on the bench and hear the Word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the Word. 
Then after you have eaten the Word, then you come into the living room, which is into fellowship with the rest of the church. Then after that, the secret place is the bedroom, where you go in and kneel down, where a bunch of you mammies used to a long time ago. Go in there and pray for your children when they was out at night. That's what's the matter with the world today. Instead of them old-fashioned mammies back down there a long time ago that prayed for their kitties and things, they're out with their kitties tonight smoking, drinking, carrying on like they are. That's the reason we got juvenile delinquency. They talk that we were more civilized than they were. I doubt it. But we sure don't act like it. That's one thing true. I like that old-fashioned type. Why, let me tell you, brother, they talk about the illiteracy of Kentucky. I preached up in them old mountains there when you stand on the hillside and those old mammies out there, them big old long bonnets on, and the women around said, make fun of them. Say, look at them. Don't they look like old models or something like that? Let me tell you something. You let one of their girls go out and stay all night, come in the next morning the way some of yours does, brother, I mean, there'd be a difference in that family. Yes, they sure would. She'd about blister her all over that hillside with a tobacco stick or something. You know that's the truth, and you call it a litter. Look, I got two girls, too. I don't know what they'll come out. I see them laying out stretched out in these yards, even around here. I didn't think the South would ever allow that. I was surprised. Laying out on the streets, them with little clothes on, getting the sun tanning. My kids might do that. I don't say they won't. But, brother, they'll get a sun tanning, but it'll be my father's sun tanning with a barrel slap as hard as I can bring them in. That'll be the kind of tanning they'll get. That's what we need today some more old-fashioned, God-sent, Holy Ghost, second form, baptizing of the Spirit of God for the Word, preaching under the blood A Christ-centered pain that separates Christ hates sin, the Holy Ghost hates sin. No wonder people hate sin. No wonder people hate the Holy Ghost, I mean, is because they can't love light when they're walking in darkness. Amen. Amen. That's true, and you know it's true. When a man comes to the waters of separation, that's all right. But don't stop there. The next thing, the blood went before him and made seven stripes over the door. And every believer, after once coming and hearing the Word, comes to Christ saying, Yes, I believe that that's intellectual. That's fine. Then he walks towards the door. And before he can come into the door, there's an end sign lifted up there to show that something died and went before him to make a way into the door. Christ died for every sinner and every sick person here tonight. He did. The end sign lifted up, which is a, in the Old Testament we find Ruth there and Boaz, a very beautiful type of the Redeemer. How did his redeemed? There's an end sign lifted up. How that Neoma had left the land went out in a time of depression, and very hungry she was, and she lost her husband and so forth. She brought her daughter-in-law back with her, Ruth, and when they returned back in the season of barley, beautiful type of Christ here, some people just look over that. There's not a word in the Testament but what speaks of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Bible points straight to the cross, everywhere. There, that story of Ruth, just a moment off her. Listen for a moment. Look at her when she returned back, and she lost all of her state. Everything she had had been taken. She was left poor, nothing. And when she come in, she sent the young Ruth, which was taking her God's type of the Gentile church, 
had forsaken her gods to come and live with Neoma. Where she lived, she'd live. Where she died, she died. Her gods would be her god. And later, we find out she went to glean in the field. And when she did, she gleaned in Boaz's field, which was a near kinsman. And when he seen her, it was love at the first sight. And he found out who she was and wanted to marry her in order to do it. He had to redeem Ruth, or Neoma rather. And in doing so, he must first be a kinsman. Now notice how a beautiful picture here of the ensign while we dwell on a moment. Ruth in the field, poor type of the church. We come in by the Jewish church through a Jew born under the law. Christ died. I used to think it was Jewish blood. I had to correct that. He was neither Jew nor Gentile blood. He was the blood of God. His mother was a Jew. His father was God himself. The blood comes from the male sect. It is a creative blood, not sexual at all. It is the blood of God. He's neither Jew nor Gentile. But God manifested in flesh. Then when he was here on earth, look at him as he walked. Now, back to Ruth just a moment. And look at it. When Boaz seen her, he fell in love with her. And he commanded her not to leave that field, but to stay right there and glean fastly. That's what God does to every believer that once comes to Christ. Stay with him. Don't be cared about with every wind of doctrine. Stay right with Christ. And he said, I've commanded the young man. He said, now as you go along, the reapers, the angels. He said, every once in a while, let her glean wherever she wants to and then drop a little handful on purpose. I kind of like those little handfuls, don't you? Just a little good old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival now and then you'll get a handful. She had picked up the handfuls and she thrashed them out happy, taking them back. And that night, she went down to when he was winding wheat that night at the garner at the barn. Boaz laid down. And when he laid down, Ruth, notice this, not ashamed to dispose herself to this man as the real, true, born-again church tonight, is not ashamed to dispose herself to the Holy Ghost call of God. Went right down into the barn with this man, giving him trust. Every man that comes to Christ must forsake everything on both sides and put his full faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what your mother says, what your daddy says, what this says, or mama says, or what anybody says, trust Christ. Don't be afraid. She walked in, and when he found out she'd give that trust, he threw his robe over it. You don't have to tell you what that means. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, of course, to cover with his own robe. And he said, now you go on. When daylight comes, I've got to do the work of a kinsman before I can receive you. And so he went down to the gate. Now look, to do the work of a kinsman. You ministers, this is not new to you, but for the congregation. Went down to the gate where all the elders of Israel come in. And a kinsman now, to redeem, he must be a near kinsman. He just, he can't be just anybody. He must be a kinsman. And look how God, being back in spirit, was manifested in flesh and took on the human form of a man to become kinfolks to the human race, to know what suffering means, to know what sickness means, to know what temptation means. 
God became man to become kinfolks with man to redeem man back to himself. Oh, how if you could only see that sinner tonight, it ought to melt your heart. See that God back down at the beginning, holy, when he walked with Moses as a pillar of fire on top of a mountain. If any man touched the mountain, he must be killed. God trying to get into man's heart. The next thing God did was manifested in the flesh. Christ, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He was born to man here, made kinfolks, in order to pay the price of redemption. Then he was killed there, in order that his spirit might be set free to come back in the form of the Holy Spirit. All that God was, he emptied into Christ. All the great eternals of God was emptied into Christ, and all that Christ was, he emptied into the church. And men and women are afraid to claim their God-given privilege and stand upon the truth of it. A little while in the world seeth me no more, yet you will see me, for I will be with you, I'll be in you, even to the end of the world. Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, your kinsman, Redeemer, God himself made flesh on earth to take away the sins and clean out the way that he might fellowship again with his creature. Amen. God in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit itself. Coming into the human heart to take away sin and condemnation to heal you and make you well and fellowship with him. There you are. Boaz had to be come went and he was a close kinsman. And then to make a public testimony. It had to be a public testimony that he had redeemed Neoma and all that she had lost. Amen. I know I act a little funny, but I just can't help it. When our heart bubbles, when I think of that great picture, how he had to redeem the omen in order to get Ruth. When he had to redeem her, he had to redeem everything she lost. And when Christ came to become man here on earth and be a kinsman redeemer, he redeemed man to everything he lost in the fall. Christ restored to him in the kinsman redeemership. When he died at Calvary, your health, your eternal life, everything that you lost in the fall, Christ redeemed you to it, for he's your Your health, your strength, and everything that you lost belongs back to you tonight to the Lord Jesus. He became kinfolks to take away sin and sickness. He redeemed her back, everything she had. He plucked off his shoe and made a public ensign. That all that come in and out might know that he had redeemed everything that Neoma lost and he was in full possession. What a beautiful picture. Christ, the old rugged cross hanging on Golgotha, paid the sin penalty. He was wounded there for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Everything the human race lost in Adam was redeemed when Christ God himself became the human race to redeem it back to his maker. All that was lost, he redeemed back again. What a marvelous picture. Can you see it, sick folks? Then he's sure tonight with his great holy being, his great august presence moving among the people. 
wanting you to believe that. That's all you have to do. Just believe that. Nothing else but just believe it and watch him reconcile it. Notice, every man then coming to, after coming to the waters of separation, hearing the word, then he must come to the public ensign, the testimony, the public testimony, that before he could enter into there, something died in his place, and he went under the blood, then into the third room, the fellowship. Then we have fellowship one with another, while the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, lifted up for an ensign, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, all filthy habits of the flesh. There's a blood stream over the whole world tonight that whosoever will may come and take of the waters of life freely. God sends ministers anoint them and preach the word. He sends some with great gifts and he sent some in the church, first prophets or first uh, apostles and teachers and evangelists and prophets and so forth. All those things for the perfecting of the church. Send his word, they preach it, so water separation. Here comes the others along performing their offices. Why do we sit and linger? Knowing that someday we've got to stand in His presence, this very night our heart may make its last beat and our soul take its journey. Then we don't have to be judged. We're already judged. When God said in the Garden of Eden, the day you eat thereof, that day you die. That's God's Word. Christ died in your stead, was made a, a waters of separation for you was made a blood of cleansing for you, was made a seal to seal you by the Holy Spirit that you be recognized in the presence of God. Then you walk right over the top of him, fail to refuse it, fail refuse other to receive it. Then you've judged yourself. Sinner friends, and I, how is it with you? I was told today that I'm holding a little too long and have done went past time now. I didn't aim to stay. Maybe tomorrow night Brother Moore will be here and he can do the preaching and come right in and start praying for the sick. I wonder tonight... If you tonight will only look yonder and see what a price that Christ had to pay for your soul. What if I had a bunch of little capsules here tonight that I'd guarantee you through the ages has been proved if you'd take this little capsule, you'd live 500 years while you'd be rushing this platform to get them. If they cost uh, thousands of dollars, you'd pawn everything you had and sell out right now to get them to assure you of 100 years of life. But I'm telling you tonight, not a little capsule. But a look towards Calvary, not only 500 years, but forever you'll live in the presence of Him with an immortal body. And you don't have to pay one thing ever. Price is already paid. The only thing you have to do is raise your hand and say, Lord Jesus, I believe it with all my heart and accept it now. Shall we bow our heads a moment? While you got your heads bowed around the arena, I want you to think of it just now. Waters of separation, preaching of the Word, lifting up of the Lord Jesus as an ensign. Won't you come now to Him humbly and sweetly and bow at His feet and say, Lord Jesus, in my heart, I've been all confused for a long time, but tonight I believe I understand a little better now. I believe the Holy Spirit has talked to me, so I want to receive you just now as my own personal Savior. God in returns, will you give me the Holy Spirit of promise and seal me into your kingdom? Take this, this intellectual faith that I have now and make it a reality by putting it in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Our Heavenly Father, as we draw nigh unto thee, knowing that 
the great Redeemer, the friend indeed and in need, stands near now. Now look around this arena, I'm thinking of in Rome, where I stood there and seen the old cross raised up for the Christians that died. Tonight, Christianity to ever unbelievers on trial. God grant that many tonight will receive him, seeing what he's done for them. He's the waters of separation through his word here to everyone that'll hear. I believe his eternal life to those who will receive him. Grant tonight, Father, you've done so many things across the world, showing great signs and wonders of your infallible proof that you're here with us. May every person that's tossed about, shuck around on shifting sands of man's ideas, may they just lay it all aside tonight and say, Lord Jesus, I may have come many times, but tonight I'm coming with all my heart. I come now, Lord. While we have our heads bowed, we're going to ask you something, serious question, be in prayer. I wonder just tonight, just at this time, how many around anywhere now, just you don't get saved by lifting up your hands. But you want God to know that you really in your heart feel like you just a, want to get just a little closer to him and want him to save you. Will you raise your hand up to God, not to me? Don't go one look, but just let me in the Holy Spirit. God bless you. God bless you. Yesterday, today, and forever. See? And it's not me. I just represent him with the group. He's here. It's with you, too. It's with everybody. See? He's here tonight. And then some of them are sent for preachers. Some of those ministers could take the text that I taught tonight and, my, make a real sermon out of it. But, and, and, because they were called to be preachers. See? Now, to me, I was called given a gift to see vision. Not me. The preacher wouldn't want to him preach the Word, it's the Holy Spirit in preaching the Word. And it isn't me seeing the visions, it's God seeing the vision. It's using your eyes, using your tongue, using your lips. Now that's right. And if Christ will come tonight, here to this platform, and as I call a line up across this platform, if I can get order and so forth without him going out there and giving out cards, I'd just like to ask you. If I, if I can bring the people up here to the platform and you'll see the Lord Jesus Christ come into this audience of people and perform the very same things that he did back there, would you be willing to accept it and just thank God for it and have your faith put by this? Sure you will. Then if you do that, let's just ask him this. Let's ask him, before we call anyone or anything else, the boy didn't give out cards. Let's just, before we line anybody up, let's just ask him to show me visions out there to you, but before we even line anybody up. That, that would be fair enough, wouldn't it? Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know the crucial moment. I feel that you, your, your spirit here. The, I'm not saying that these people could hear me, but I'm saying this to you, I feel your anointing right here at the platform. Lord, you know my heart, you know whether that's truth or not. And I, I feel that I was going to make the altar call and leave, but seemingly that there's something else you want. I pray, Father, that you'll help me in this matter. I don't know what to do, but something keeps me from leaving the platform. And I pray at this time, as I've said this, may you help me and visit over these people. Whatever you'd have me to say to them, I now commit myself unto thee, Lord. And if thou dost send your great spirit and anoint your servant, 
we'll be very happy and thankful, and the audience could all be healed at one time, Father. I pray that you'll grant this in Jesus' name, my dear Son, and for his glory only. Amen. Now, I just want you to look this way. I want you to be real reverent. I just want to talk to the audience. There's none of you that I know out there. You realize that? I don't know you. I've never seen you. If I did, I don't know it. I know the, some of these boys sitting right here. Now, to you way back there, I want you to come right into your fellowship. It's the same thing. It's a fellowship of the Spirit. We're all in Christ now. See? We're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? Now, I want you to just look, as Peter and John said, look on us. And they did expecting something. If I took glory for this, I'd be a liar and a hypocrite. Nothing I can do. I'm just a man like you are. But there's an audience of people, probably, I don't know how many sitting out here, a few hundred sitting around the side. But if Christ will, he can. And he can come here at this platform tonight. If I can submit myself to him as his servant, he can tell me what to tell you. That's right. You believe it, don't you? And if he'll do that, you'll see, friends, that I've told you. Would you believe that I've told you the truth? And then what is the truth? That you are already healed, every one of you. You just have to accept it. That's all. And then if I've told you that, and God confirms it to be the truth, Surely you you got faith enough to move on it then, haven't you? Now, let's just sing a song, if you will. You know, in the disciples' time, the dime of the Bible, they sing a hymn. Let's sing only, believe if you give us a, a, chord, a chord on it. This is something new. I never do this. But I don't know that it'll even be. If it don't, I'm going to ask some ushers and so forth to get together in a few minutes and form a prayer line. If it can be, if God will grant it, amen. While Paul spake these words, he looked upon a man and fastened his eye upon him and said, Sir, I perceive. Is that right? No. See? Scripturally. Mm. I may add his blessing. Oh, what a time. I, 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 someday I got to meet you, everyone. Almighty God, no. That light that you see on that picture is standing not two feet from where I am right now. That's the truth. It's moving into my right side, right here. His grace, His mercy. I'm asking Him, if He will, vindicate truth. Truth, Lord. Thy word is truth. O eternal God, who formed the heavens and earth, who made all things by Jesus Christ, who we love and appreciate, Oh, God, this dark day that we're living in, man going to the earth, not knowing him, teachers, keeping together teachers with itching ears, be turned from the truth to fable, heady, high-minded, having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. Oh, God, have mercy tonight. Manifest yourself, Lord Jesus. You're here. We love you. We believe you. And I know you're here. Make yourself known, Lord, to this audience. Thou knowest this audience, I know them not. But that they might know that your servant has told them truth about thee, I pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
have faith in God. Jesus passing by a tree one day. He didn't see no fruit on it. He said he never had to stomp it or kick it. He said, no man eateth from me from here on. And there's no one to eat from it. He dried up. He said, have faith in God. For as thou would say to this mountain, be moved, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass. You have what you say. Ah, that's the faith we want. The faith that was once delivered to the saints. The faith that our Lord Jesus looked out and seen a woman with a blood issue. Her touching him with her faith said, Be of a good cheer. Thy faith has saved thee. I see, yes. Thanks be to God. I see a man sitting looking right at me. He's in prayer. Between he and I becomes a light streak moving. The man's a heavy set man. He's looking right at me. He's suffering with heart trouble. The man sitting right back there. That's right, sir. You can go home now, a well man. Your faith is healed. That poor woman sitting right next to you there. Look this way to me, sister. You believe me to be God's prophet or servant? With all your heart you believe that? If God will make known to me what you're here for, if you've got trouble, if he'll tell me what's your trouble, will you believe me as his servant? You will? Your trouble's in your legs. Isn't that right? Now, is that the truth? You stand up on your feet then. Jesus Christ makes you well. Amen. What about the lady sitting next to you? Do you believe it, lady? Do you believe me to be God's servant? His prophet? You look like a healthy woman. But do you believe that God could tell me right here, you know, I don't, whether what's wrong with you? Would you believe it then with all your heart? You suffer with a back trouble. That's the truth, isn't it? That kind of shocked the lady sitting next to you. Do you believe that lady with all your heart? You look at me. You believe me to be his prophet? If I'll tell you the truth, will you believe? You'll know it's the truth. Then you'll believe that I'm telling you the truth. The light of God hangs over you. You're suffering with a kidney trouble. That's right. Stand on your feet, or you can go home well. You believe? Somebody in this section is over here believe? Have faith. Somebody way back in the back of the rims, way back in there. Will you have faith? Of course, you're going over a bunch of spirit, you realize that? I see a dark shadow right now moving around. It's a demon power. It's sitting between me and out in here, coming in. It's a little lady sitting. She's been praying. She's got her finger up to her mouth. The woman is, has got cancer. She's wearing glasses. That's right, isn't it, lady? Sitting out of that white dress on. Will you stand up on your feet then just a minute? That's right. That's true, isn't it? All right. Do you believe that God could heal you? Say, want to say something to you. You realize your condition. 
Your name is Johnson. Beatrice Johnson. You live at 1920 Jeff Davis Street here in Macon, Georgia. That's right, isn't it? You accept the Lord Jesus now for your healer? Raise your hand to him. Father, in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus, I condemn the death spirit hanging over this woman, and may she be healed for your glory. I ask every man and every woman here that believes right now that Jesus Christ is here, the Son of God, that you'll stand to your feet now and accept him as your healer. Almighty God, the author of life, you've manifested yourself. Heal every person here, and I condemn every sickness. Come out, Satan, I rebuke every evil spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, God's name.